The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. And uh, leading up to this evening, our church has been looking at songs that were sung for the Savior. We looked at Mary's song of joy. We looked at Zechariah's song of salvation. Last week, um, we looked at the angel's song of glory. And this evening, we're going to kind of wrap that up by looking at a guy by the name of Simeon and uh, his song of destiny. And as we look at this story, uh, it relates to our lives and our destiny and how Jesus, the greatest person ever born, uh, affects your destiny and my destiny. So the question we're going to ask is, what does the song of Simeon teach us about our destiny? Simeon is persuaded. He's an older guy. Uh, if you weren't here and some of you guys straggled in and then it's hard to listen sometimes when people are reading scripture. But when uh, Tana read the scripture at the beginning of the service, that was the story of Simeon. Simeon uh, was an older guy who hung around the temple and God had promised him that he would see the savior of the world before he would die. And, and, and so there he is, and one day along comes this young couple with a baby, and the Holy Spirit says to him, that's the one. And uh, he actually said, now I can die in peace. My destiny is complete because this child has arrived. And so what I want us to do is, is, is to be challenged, and I want to challenge you on this Christmas Eve to learn from Simeon's song of destiny. And so it's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. And uh, just to help those that may be completely unfamiliar with, with Simeon or, or the, the Gospels accounts of, of Jesus, um, Mary and Joseph were following a prescribed uh, order that eight days after the child, their, a, a male child was to be born there to take him to the temple and, and present them present him but actually if you look at the history here uh mary couldn't show up at the temple for like 30 days it was a time of purification and and spelled out in the old testament and talking about summations of things the bible has two parts old testament new testament the best way i think to help you understand like if you're totally unfamiliar with those things like if you ever knew of anybody who refinanced a mortgage so they had an old mortgage on their house they go to the bank and they want a new mortgage. The new mortgage trumps the old mortgage, but there's a lot of similarities, including the same property. Well, the Old Testament lays out for the people of Israel that they are God's nation and God would bring his promised deliverance to mankind through them. When Jesus shows up, he starts sort of a new mortgage, so to speak, paid in full, by the way. Uh, he starts a new covenant, a new testament, and uh, but as we... Look at the transition here. Mary and Joseph are like stuck between the two. And so they show up at the temple to offer a sacrifice uh, for, for Jesus. And uh, what I want to do is just bring us up to speed and read a few verses that were read earlier. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting. This is key. Waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, which means the, the, the Lord of the Old Testament's promised 
Christ or Messiah. And so we pick up the story then, and, and here we find Simeon doing his typical thing, senior citizen on, on uh, Social Security, I don't know, uh, but showing up at the temple, waiting on God, waiting, and he sees the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the, the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God, and then he, he utters some words there. And so as we look at this song of destiny and look at what Jacob said, I mean, I'm sorry, Simeon said there, um, my goal for you is to ask, for you to personally ask this question, how is Jesus affecting my destiny? How is Jesus affecting my destiny? And what does this, what is this song that, that uh, Simeon sings or, or prophecy it quotes but could be put to song, what is... What does this teach us about my, my, the possibility of my destiny? The first thing it teaches us, okay, and we're gonna, I'm, let me read what he says here, is that Jesus is peace to the dying. Jesus is peace to the dying. See, Simeon's old, and his days are clearly numbered. All of our days are numbered, but his are in a much smaller number bracket. I mean, he's, he's down there to just maybe months, maybe a year. But... Uh, This is what he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I have a great job. I love being a pastor. I work one day a week. No, just kidding. Um, But uh, I I, kind of joke that um, I'm there when people are matched, married, hatched, born, patched when they're all messed up, and dispatched, you know, when they're... I'm there for all that. You know, matched, hatched, patched, and dispatched. Kind of my job description. Summation of things. Uh, I I don't know uh, how often you're around um, families who are wrestling with the last days of death. Uh, And when we're young, we think, we we just don't think about it. We don't buy life insurance. We just just think we're in, you know, life is just going to go on. We just don't think about it unless it sneaks up on us or uh, surprises us in a horrific way. We don't think the aging process is normal. Okay, let's be honest. How many people over 50, I'm over 50, I'm 53. How many people over 50, this is group participation, think in your head like you're 25? Yeah, I mean, we just don't think we should be old. It's not... I don't, honestly, it's not how God wired us. He he, he wired us to live forever. So this aging thing is not natural. And as much as people sort of like like to, you know, pamper and sort of talk about death being this sort of transition between now and whatever, it's just not natural. And when you stand by the body of a deceased person, and I'm sorry on Christmas we're bringing this up, but this is why Jesus came. Simeon was not far from this. When you stand by the body of a deceased person, it is pretty universally acknowledged that our loved one is no longer there. We look at this lifeless body, and over and over again it said, they're not here. Nature gives us hints that this this death thing isn't natural. I mean, just the hibernation process. I've got a little ornamental pond out in my backyard, and it's probably frozen to the bottom now. I've got some 
goldfish in there and frogs have taken habitation in there. You know, their, their whole metabolism almost stops. They can actually survive the winter almost encased in ice. But we don't think that's normal, right? I mean, that's, like not, not, that's not something we, like, suggest people do. Because the rewarming process may not work. <laughs> we also talk of our deceased loved ones as if they're watching over us. The whole reason this is important because Simeon says, now that I've seen Jesus, I can depart in peace. That the peaceful presence of God's good Savior allows Simeon to go, okay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I need not fear evil. Notice what he says there also. He says, I, don't know, I no longer do I need to, I can depart in peace, but according to your word. Uh, Christians are people of God's word. We believe that God spoke, that God revealed God through 40 different human authors, very imperfect, but perfectly captured his story, his teachings, uh, what's, where we came from, where we're going, why we're all messed up. We believe God is a God of, of words. And when, when Simeon says, according to your word, this is how we base our faith. Let me, uh, for any of you think that Christians are somehow goody two-shoes, just look around. We ain't. We're messed up. If Christians have ever approached you and, or given you the air that somehow they're better than you, I'm sorry. That is not what Jesus was about. We approach death based upon the words of what God has said through his, his, through, through his prophets, his teachers, and finally, the ultimate word is Jesus himself. You see, if God isn't big enough, if he isn't strong enough, if it is good enough to get into written word what we need, then, then, then why would we trust this God? And, and Simeon ends this part. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He looks at Jesus and says, that's my salvation. My salvation is in this Christ child, this Messiah. My eyes have seen it. Now, earlier when we read part of Luke 2, the Holy Spirit was at work here. And uh, the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, hard to understand, but from the, from the first chapter of of the, of the Bible, God said, let us make man in our image. We understand God to be one, God to be three. We can talk about that some other time. Love to talk about that with you. But let me just say the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps nudging you. Keeps nudging you. He's trying to wake you up from sort of a dead sleep that there's a God who loves you and wants your attention. So the Song of Destiny teaches us that Jesus is the peace to the dying. That That... Those who are in Christ, those whose faith is in the Messiah, die knowing this, because he came, because of what he did, because of his promises, because I am secure in him, I have everlasting life. Not because we're good, not because we give the benevolence, not because we show up to church on occasion, but because of what Jesus did, who he is and what he did. This leads us to a second thing that comes from Simeon's song is that the second thing it teaches us is that Jesus is a, un, is a universal invitation, specifically 
from, for this is what Simeon said, for my eyes have seen this, your salvation that you had prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. There are two undisputed facts. One, the historicity of Jesus Christ. Very few historians, very few people of any caliber would argue that there was no Jesus. There was a Jesus. The second undisputable fact is the most popular human being in all of human history is this Jesus. What Simeon understood was that Jesus came into this world in the presence of all people for this very reason. He came for all people. We understand that God loves ethnicity. It was his idea. Jesus loves every people group. There's not like he doesn't have a favorite. He doesn't like Italians because they make better wine or, you know, French because they like better bread or, you know, he doesn't, even the chosen people, the Jewish people, even though they were chosen and special, it's not like they're, they have a favorite, like, section in heaven, like, oh, they're the Jews, the rest of us are just Gentiles. He's not that way. And so when he, he's prepared, when Jesus comes, it's in the presence of all people. And one of the reasons we as a church are part of the Christian church's global mission is because we want every time, tribe and tongue and every people group to hear the gospel. And the Bible says that when, every, when, when the gospel has been preached in every ethnic group, then the end will come. Notice what he says here. Simeon says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's most of us. There are very few Jewish people in, in the congregation here, I suspect. But to those of us who are not part of the chosen people who had the word of God delivered to them, had the Messiah come out of them, God has, or God has revealed through Simeon that he is a light to our life. He brings reason to why we are here. He is a light in a dark world and a light to our dark soul. He's a light to dark people and a light to people in, de- in uh, the depression of darkness. He is light. He is hope. And he's a glory for the people to the people of Israel. And what that means is the whole reason there is a nation is that they would be the means and mechanism that God chose to deliver not just the Messiah, but the gospel so that the world would be delivered. They exist as an entry point, the chosen people, so that God, through his love and through his story, through his Messiah, through his son, through his grace, through his redemption, people could understand what God does. God comes and rescues people who are trapped. Israel was trapped in slavery. God rescued them. I was, res- I was enslaved to sin. God rescued me. All by his grace and by his work. And this leads us to a third and by the way, this, um, this, as, as, as Simeon is saying this, he's already said, as I read earlier, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. When would the comforter come? Uh, the Messiah, that hand, Handel's Messiah, he, incredible piece of music, but he takes the scriptures of, of Isaiah where it says, Comfort, O comfort you, my people. I think from Isaiah chapter 40. God has come to bring comfort to those who want his grace. This leads us to the third thing that this text, Simeon's song, teaches us about our destiny. That Jesus determines the destiny of all people. 
His invitation's out there to everyone. In fact, part of our job this evening is, is to persuade, to invite, to, to, to plead with those of you who, who are not following Christ. Christ is your means of life. He's the, means of, he's the reason for everything. He's the reason for mountains and chocolate sundaes. He's the reason for romance and he's the reason for babies. He's the reason for all things. And this last thought, Jesus determines our destiny, is Simeon, after he'd said what he said, uh, Mary and Joseph were pretty amazed at what they said. And so Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, notice what he says, This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. Fall is not a good word. You don't want to fall. You don't want to walk outside. You don't want to fall. The fall in the context of, of biblical theology is, is that we fell out of God's grace by our rebellion and our distrust of him. You don't want to fall. Jesus is appointed for the fall and rising. That word rising is uh, almost with the idea of resurrection. And Jesus is either your reason for falling away from God eternally, or he's your reason for resurrection for life forever. He will either be the reason for your fall into banishment, which you have chosen by your refusal of the gospel, or he's your rise, your resurrection into new life in Christ. I love to talk to people who don't believe in Jesus. Got lots of friends who don't believe in Jesus. And, and commonly, commonly, um, the, the, several topics come up when we talk together one is the whole idea that God didn't make this world. And I love to talk about artists, Picasso and Monet and, and Rembrandt. And I said, you would not walk up to a Rembrandt and say, what amazing accident that was. No meaning, no creator, no artist. It just happened. I like to read books. I'm not a fast reader, but I like to read books. It would be insulting to an author a writer like Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or John Grisham, it'd be, it'd be an insulting to say your work is irrelevant. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have a beginning and end. Or to historians, um, to say to a historian, you got it all wrong. Your book is totally off. And yet that is the audacity of man to say to the artist, to say to the creator. It's like saying to... Uh, Elon Musk and the co-founders of Tesla Motors, that Tesla out there, that, was just, that just happened just accidentally. Do you understand the logic there? That for us to ignore God's first great revelation, his creation, is an insult. He says there, he's, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed in fact, he even says to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul. That, that, that Christ, the eternal Son of God who came to die for our sins to, so that we could be that ju the judgment that all my sins. And, and just to help you understand sins, we're not just talking about murderers and, and, and wicked people out there. The Bible says you are made for God and that every thought and every word was meant for his pleasure. 
That means every time a thought of mine or a word of mine is not in accordance with bringing him pleasure, I'm sinning against God. Who's going to pay off that? Who's going who's to pay for those guilty, sinful things? And Jesus said, I will. Being the perfect substitute, fully man, fully God, he could pay for our sins. But he's opposed. In fact, that's why he died. He's opposed and oppressed, it says the word. Uh, he's, he's resisted because of his message and because of who he represented. I'm convinced one of the reasons Jesus identifies with the oppressed, whether it be ethnic or, or otherwise, and why in the Bible it says that God's people are supposed to embrace those who are impress, oppressed, is because he, the Son of God, knows the depths of rejection and to be oppressed by his own people. He's a sign, for a sign that is oppressed, look at the last line, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You and I are great hiding the stuff that we get away with. I mean, you don't know what I've gotten away with. And I don't know what you've gotten away with. But according to Simeon, this child knows. And it will be revealed. That can be haunting or it can be liberating. If he is your resurrection and he's paid for your sins, you have no fear because he knows it already. He's paid for it. And there's, the Bible says to those in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be condemned, especially by God. But to reject this Christ child and his work of saving grace, to reject his love, to reject his teaching, and to reject his way, to to just ignore him and, and push him off as some sort of religious, I'll get around to it when I'm old type of thing, or he fits into a part of my... No, he can't fit into a part of your life. He is life. He's either your life or he's not your life. He's not part of life. It's not like Jesus fits in on, you know, a little bit on Sunday and maybe... No, he is either your life or he's not your life. And this leads us to the response And I want to kind of conclude with this, this line. The line that says, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. This Christ child that we're celebrating, who taught us, God loves gift giving. He loves, doesn't like going to wait to debt, but he likes gift giving. Doesn't like bribery, but he likes gift giving. So if you're bribing someone or went, went, went way over debt in your Christmas purchase, you can repent and say, Jesus, I was wrong. But he loves gift giving. God's a gift giving God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Do not fear, little flock. It is your father's intention to give you his kingdom. God is generous. Okay, so he celebrates our, our celebration of gift giving. But at the end of the day, most of us have an evergreen tree or a fake tree. Those wimps. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. I know. I know. Sorry. That was, that was mean. Um, we have an evergreen tree, which is a reminder that there's a, a new life. It's, it's meant to be symbolic, a new life that resists all the elements of time, a life that, that bears its greenery even through the barrenness of a cold winter because the new life we have in Christ. So this last line, and Ryan, put up that last slide. A song of destiny. Is this your song? Is this, chi- this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many. How does Jesus hit you? 
Is he, is he who you stumble over and, and, and reject? Will he be why you fall? Because you ignore his grace, you ignore his creation, you ignore, ignore his revelation, you, you ignore his sacrifice, you ignore his love, you ignore his promises. And by the way, he's not, he doesn't have struggle if you have hard questions, okay? He, he, he doesn't wrestle with your hard questions. It's, it's not a hard thing to, to, uh, to, to approach a God who loves you and says, bring on the hard questions. But at the end of the day, is he going to cause you to fall because you reject his gospel? Or is he going to cause you to rise, be resurrected? Simeon, Simeon, kind of, he, he, he's a role model for us who follow Jesus. He waited and waited and waited and waited for the comfort of God to come. He was prompted by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be doing, children of God. He was devoted. He was righteous, which means he tried to live rightly to please the Father, not to earn his way to heaven, but to please the Father. He was righteous. And he was looking for that final comfort. That is Simeon. Christian, he's a role model for us. This is our song of destiny. This child, now we can... Lay our, life, our heads down in peace because this child has come. Those of you who are not committed to Christ, let me just ask you, is the Holy Spirit nudging you? Do you feel like there's something beyond the pastor, you know, waning on and on and on? <laughs> Do you feel like there's this nudging going on inside of you? I urge you, pick up the book as you leave. Talk to someone. Let's have coffee or beer. Let's just talk. Let's just talk. Because I, 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 you, you have to come to believe. It's not like something you buy into without belief. I urge you to pick up a Bible. We give them out. Pick up a Bible. Read the book of Luke. Just allow God's word. God's word, if it's real, if, it's, if it is what it says, it will speak to you. Will Jesus be your fall or your rise? Will he be the light of revelation to you as a Gentile? I just implore you as we close, don't, don't ignore the Christ child. Let's pray. Lord, I am humbled that uh, as a young, young boy, you came to me and made it clear who you were, that the gospel made sense. And to me, it's light. And I know many in this room, Lord, are, are followers of light. They're trusting you. They're following you. And they're like Simeon. May they be encouraged this evening. May they leave here encouraged. May, may they be like Simeon who just waits faithfully and, 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 and does the right thing and is devoted to the right thing. May, may by their lives, a demonstration of their faith in you, just be like Simeon, waiting for your comfort, your consolation to come. Thank you that those in Christ Jesus, Lord, our destiny is to die in peace. To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Thank you for that promise, Lord. And Lord, for those in this room who are still not there yet, who, who um, Jesus, you have no, they have no time for you in their lives. They, just, you're just not, you're not the savior of the world to them. You're not the Lord, the King of Glory. You're not the meaning of life. I pray, Lord, that you would nudge them, Holy Spirit, nudge them. I pray that you would, you would cause them to not be able to sleep. That they would long to answer the questions that that haunt their mind about existence, reality, and God. And Lord, may you be their comfort. May you become light to them. May they see the glory 
of the gospel of Christ, of the glory of the gospel of God in, in the face of Christ. We pray this believing you're at work. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.